to the legions, to the What You've Been Watching podcast, hosted by me, Marvelous Mike Dudley, and co-hosted by my younger brother and cohort, MD3 Marcus Dudley, checking in on you. What's going on out there in podcast land? Big salute out there to you. How you doing, my brother? I'm doing good, man. My, uh, my hell week at work is finally coming to a close, and I cannot wait for it to end, so... Hell yeah. What's been going on? Uh, basically the head chef has been on vacation in Michigan, so all of his responsibilities and duties and whatnots have fallen onto me, and, uh, I'm ready for Papa Bear to come home, so shout out to Dustin Blackstock, please hurry the fuck home so I don't have to be in charge anymore, I don't like it. Yeah, it's good in small doses, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I I mean, I'm glad I handle it and I know that I can, but I'm done, I'm good. I feel you. Well, that's good though, man, rose up to the occasion. So uh, here's the million dollar question, Michael. This is why people tune in. Oh, before before we get onto that. Oh, what you been watching? Oh, you stole it. <laughs> oh, I don't know. We had a whole system worked out, my friend. You just took the energy out of the room. Damn. Next time. All right. Well, the next time I get to go and welcome. Okay. All right. And then we'll go back to normal because the fear's strange even just saying that. So. <laughs> Uh, no, first, before we do that, uh, big shout out to Kesta, our yes. musical act that opens. Uh, thank you for that. Always using it. Always trying to plug you. If you want to reach us, please reach out at watching at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Dudley Bros Podcast on Facebook or search for What You've Been Watching. If you have any questions, concerns, comments about the about the podcast itself, just hit us up there. We will try our best to get back to you. Fill our mailbag. We, we want your questions, your queries, your inquiries, your your quays. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. Um, so here, uh, here's let's try this one more time. What you been watching, my guy? <laughs> no, what you been watching, man? For real. Uh, been watching a lot of BSG as usual. Uh, also. Restarted watching The Big Lebowski the other day. Uh, Amazing movie. Great movie. I I just I haven't. It's probably been three or four years since I've seen it, so just wanted to you know revisit an old friend. But uh, it's worthwhile, man. I mean, it, obviously, if you haven't, everybody in the world has seen Big Lebowski. So if if you haven't seen it lately, go rewatch it. It's worth a visit. I think it's one of those movies you could watch it. 10, 20, 30 times mm-hmm. in a life, and you just still find something new, some little joke. I mean, there's a whole, like, subreddit apparently dedicated. Well, there's oh, subreddits to everything. Right, right, right. But, like, dedicated to, like, all the posters on the wall are jokes, and, yes. like, it's all callbacks to all the previous movies and things that are just funny to them. There's a lot of stuff that's going on in the backgrounds of things, and a lot of shirts that are callbacks to the previous movies of the Coen brothers, and Stuff like that. So yeah, that, that movie is, there's always something in it. The dialogue is so good, and it's just such a unique movie. As a person who really appreciates dialogue and, and witty retort, and it, it's very dry, very, I mean, painfully dry at times humor, but it's so good and so well written. Very quotable movie, too. Insanely know? quotable. Just The Dude Abides Alone is one of those that's oh, of the test of time. Yeah. But yeah. No, that's a good one. That one definitely gets my uh, thumbs up of approval. How far are you going to... Uh, Battlestar Galacticats. Uh, I just started season... Battlestar Galacticats. I would watch that movie. I know. Uh, the feline version? That's right. Uh, I got you caught up on Battlestar Galacticats. Yeah, no, I'm thinking about it. I was, I was, oh, I was trying to think of, like, by Meow Command. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, um, uh, when I was living in Maryland, um, one of the one of my friend's landlords or whatever, their names of the cats were Hilo, Starbuck, 
and Boomer. Nice. So yeah, she was a big fan of that. So nice, yeah. nice. So yeah, Battlestar Galacticats as well. But, cool. Yeah, all the Cylons would be Calicos or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> There's somebody out there much smarter than me that can figure this out. But, uh, but yeah, how far along are you into that? you got to be wrapping uh, up here soon, right? No, just started season... I literally just started season three, uh, and I think it runs for four seasons. Okay. So, uh, getting there. Getting there, getting there. Uh, a lot of it has to do with... It's it's what I fall asleep to, so a lot of it is me drifting off and falling asleep and being like, wait, I missed a part. Rewind. So yep. it usually takes me like two or three nights to finish a single episode. But uh, by the time I'm done with it, I'm very, very familiar with it. Like all the ins and outs and, and all the editing and just sort of like how it worked and didn't. So I, it's actually given me a, a deeper appreciation for the series. Well, I know what will be on your next trivia. <laughs> <laughs> yes, give me my ammunition. That's right. No. That's right. No, I had a good time doing that, man. That was I enjoyed fun. the trivia. That was fun. I'm glad that we could come to an accord and split our championship. Yeah, I mean, you based solely it. on my skills and psychic I mean, abilities. Yeah, and our, our uh, kinship that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, no, other than that, though, man, like I know you didn't ask yet, but I haven't really watched anything new, and I know that defeats the whole purpose of this show. Okay. Well, how about this, bro? I have been playing some stuff. I was going to say, what ask you've been playing? Uh, I, as y'all know, I am a retro gamer through and through. Um, I did pick up Mortal Kombat 11 on the Switch, which looks atrocious. <laughs> they had to drop the res because the Switch is not as powerful Ooh. as... I mean, the gameplay-wise is still the same, but it is, yeah, it, it's pretty rough to look at. Um, but the story was interesting. I flew through it in like a weekend, but I did go back. I, I keep buying games because they'll be in the, the retro video game shop, and then I'll like start a file because I get so excited, or... I'll just be like, All right, I just want to make sure it works. And then I get roped into playing it for like two, three hours. <laughs> so there's a litany of games that I start and then just don't circle back to. I'm trying to finish off the games that I was a good portion of the way through right. already. And uh, on GameCube, I finished um, Breath of the Wild, Zelda. Still have not played yet. You keep, you keep recommending it. It's on my list. It's, but it's up there, man. I, that's one of those I'm going to have to sit down and be committed to it. And like, I just, I've got so much other shit going on that I. It, too many plates spinning. Like you just keep playing Red Dead Redemption, too, <laughs> which is not a bad thing. This is going to be my final playthrough. I promise. Yeah. Well, for now, yeah. I always say that. Um, no, so I beat that finally. I went on the giant fetch quest and, and got everything taken care of. All the Triforce shards collected. Ganondorf has been vanquished. Uh, then I moved on to I was playing Super Smash Brothers Melee, and I you don't ever really beat that game, mm. but I did unlock all the characters. Uh, there's a bunch of things you have to do, like the target test. So. I at least got all the characters. Now I'm going to work on all the stages. But for the most part, that game is... Some of them you just get by playing. Like, you unlock a stage by playing 1,000 versus matches. Jesus. And I'm the only one that plays. So <laughs> it's it's going to be a while. So, um, but I've, just, I've never been great at that game. I, I enjoy watching it. But the second I pick up the controllers, it's like I have, like, club hands or something like that. I just... I can't... I can't make it do what I want it to do. It's like the most simple fighting game out there. I I, I hear you on that, and yet it's a blast, though. I mean, it's it's anyone can pick up and play it. But. It's like trying to teach me, like trying to teach someone how to whistle. Like, yeah, it's simple in, in practice, but like until you actually do it or like it clicks in, like you're never gonna be able to do it. Yeah. Oh, speaking of like a Super Smash Brothers type game, did you hear about the new WB Multiverses game? No. It is Super Smash Brothers, kind of, but instead of it being just Nintendo and video game characters, it's the entire WB, like, uh, franchises. They have, like, Velma and Shaggy, and they have Batman, and they have uh, the Iron Giant, and... What? Um, 
Jake from Adventure Time, uh, Steven Universe. Like what? Yeah, it's like the entire uh, Harry Potter characters make an appearance. It's wild, yeah. And they they just released the beta, and I want to check it out, man, because it's like a nerd's dream. It's, I was it's, gonna say that sounds fascinating. That's like the best like dream booking possible, you know? Like like what if Batman was gonna fight Harry Potter? Yeah. <laughs> now you can settle those scores. So, uh, yeah, interesting thing to keep an eye on. That really fits right in our niche here at What You've Been Watching. Yeah, the, yeah, I totally just geeky that stuff. Out. Yeah, but yeah. Apparently it's kind of like a simple, like, Super Smash Brothers light kind of thing. So, not been watching a lot. There is one movie I did watch, which we're going to get into, um, as you can tell from the title. But uh, I just wanted to clear up. That's the reason why I haven't been watching stuff. I've just been <laughs> resorting back to watching cartoons and nonsense. <laughs> I haven't even finished Miss Marvel yet. I'm four episodes in. I got two more to go. Which Okay. I, I enjoy the show. We will talk about it when I do finish it. A uh, lot of San Diego Comic Con news. We will get into that. We will definitely get into that. Uh, very soon, probably the next podcast will be dedicated to Miss Marvel and some of the all the San Diego Comic Con <laughs> news. There's so much, but we don't want to dump it on this podcast. So we did uh, watch a movie recently. It was our homework, and as you can tell from the title, we dove into the 1997 movie Spawn. Very special episode of What You've Been Watching. We're doing a deep dive on a movie that we both were so hyped for when we when it first came out, when we first saw the trailer. And it's always sort of left a bittersweet taste in our mouth. And we've never been able to puzzle out why. So we decided to just sit down and really analyze it and try to work out the things that we loved, the things that we didn't like, the things that made it work and where it fell short, and really try to get to the root of the movie. Uh, so, 1997's Spawn. We are really proud of this name. Uh, we here at What You've Been Watching proudly present What's Wrong With, with Spawn. Spawn. <laughs> so, Michael, you were the father to my game when it came to Spawn. I, I said that on the first episode that a lot of the shit that I'm into was because you're my older brother, mm-hmm. and uh, that's just kind of how it works in the pecking order of things, and you turned me on to Spawn at a very early age, so I'm going to let you start us off here with what, what, what you like about Spawn, just as a franchise, give everybody a quick kind of synopsis of what it is, sure, and then we can go from there into the sure, movie a little bit. Sure, sure. So Spawn the movie, the 1997 classic... Is based on the 1992 comic of the same title, written illustrated by Todd McFarlane, and basically Todd McFarlane and a group of other artists uh, and comic book creators left Marvel and DC and and their various you know uh, big two as they were known uh, in order to start their own independent company called Image because they felt that they weren't getting enough respect, enough creative control. Uh, you know, Todd McFarlane famously created Venom. Uh, he was the first person to ever do the uh, spiral webs that came out of uh, Spider-Man's wrist. Before that, they had always done the very classic, like, spread with the droopy lines in between them. Uh, and he just, he, he felt that, you know, he, he, he wasn't getting his dues or that, that he had no control over the characters. So he and Rob Liefeld, a couple of other cats... Jim Lee. Jim Lee, yeah, yes. who went on to go do Wildstorm comics, right, 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 yeah. and also and also Lee Field because he did yeah, yeah. the Young Bloods and and all that, um, created uh, Image Comics and Spawn was Todd McFarlane's contribution to that. Uh, it was original in the sense that it was 
very dark. It, it tackled a lot of issues about salvation versus damnation and what is the nature of man in terms of, you know, this very, this very unlikable protagonist. Essentially, Al Simmons is a government assassin who is betrayed by his higher-ups in his, in his uh, military outfit, and he's sent to hell. And in hell, he makes a pact with Malbolgia, the, the lord of, of this circle of hell, who promises that he can be reunited with his wife, Wanda, in exchange for leading his army against heaven in, in basically the biblical apocalypse. And of course, things go wrong. Uh, Al Simmons is, is tricked. He's returned to Earth five years later. Wanda's already remarried his best friend, uh, Terry Fitzgerald. They have a daughter together. His face is horribly f burned and disfigured. But he also is given this power of necromancy, basically. It, it's, he's, his, his, his very body is created out of this thing called cytoplasm, which is this... I'm going off on a No, you're good. Rant. you're good. But basically, he has the powers of hell, and he can do magic and formulate his body to make weapons and blades and, and any sort of heal arsenal. Itself. Heal itself. Uh, fly if he needs, whatever. But he only has a certain limited number of power on Earth, and once he runs out of power, he is sent back to hell, and the his part of the of the bargain to initiate the war against heaven begins. So the whole comic book is on the premise of a man with unlimited power given limited time. That was really well explained. Okay. Nerd rant over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was also important, like, let me just, I like to say words that I don't understand or know what they mean, but I use them well in context. That's my secret here, what you've been watching. Um, Todd McFarlane did seminal work on, uh, I think that's the right way to use it. His, his work is seminal work on Spider-Man. He changed the game. He is my favorite Spider-Man yeah. artist. Uh, Jim Lee was famous for the X-Men. So when they started Image Comics, part of the thing was that it was all creator-owned. Like, you can yes. make a new character at Marvel, and they, they're like, oh, cool, yeah, we'll take it, but we own it. Right. And after you leave, like, we still get to play with that. And if we put them in a movie, you don't see any of that. You might get a, like, bonus as an appreciation, which is laughable, uh, even by, like, by today's standards of Marvel sure. movies. The, the creator of The Winter Soldier said he didn't even want the residual check because it was laughable. Paltry, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but at Image, you own the entire likeliness of your characters that you create. So you can be a hundred percent owner, as long as you kind of cut some for Image to print it and stuff like right. that. You get to keep the rest. That's Robert Kirksman's Walking Dead was on Image, yep. and that's yep. how he got to be so filthy fucking rich. Now <laughs> <laughs> he's got eight TV shows, including Invincible <laughs> and all that other stuff. But again, he he's so rich because Image allowed him to retain the rights to those characters that yep. he created. So he was free to sell them to whoever he wanted. You yep. know, uh, create around. So, so Michael put me on Spawn uh, at a very early age. Uh, we actually own Spawn issue number one. It's our second time owning it. <laughs> um, so we were fans. It's it's really dark. It's really gritty. And so I think when the movie was coming out, when it was announced, our hype level was was legitimate. You know, we were the target audience. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Teenagers with uh, hyper-violent minds and expendable income. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So where do you think, and we're not, what we're not going to do is we are not going to do a play-by-play. -play. Mm -hmm. um, we just set you up with the premise of it. Um, the premise of, of what Michael described in the comic book is ultimately the premise of the movie. So we're not going to do a play-by-play. -play. If you want to play along, uh, go ahead and it's on Netflix now. I don't know how long it's going to be there. Right. 
Um, but go ahead and watch it. Amazon Prime, you can rent it, whatever you want. Uh, or go to the Cap City Video Lounge. Rent it there if you're in Tallahassee. That's right. And then you can play along at home. Tell uh, Kevin we said what's up. Yeah. So if you want to play along, go do that. We'll wait for a minute. All right, we're back. How was that? All right, cool. Didn't that movie kind of, sort of rock a little bit? But yet, I don't... Nah. So where do you think that went wrong, my guy? Uh, Well, that's... Start wherever you want. We're going to jump around a lot. Well, let me... uh, Okay, so first of all, Spawn, released in 1997, directed by Mark A.Z. Dippay, and distributed by New Line Cinema and Todd McFarlane Entertainment. Um, just to sort of give you a, a idea of where cinema was at the time, I'm just going to tell you some other movies that came out in 1997. So, in no particular order, they are, we have Men in Black, we have Men in, uh, Batman and Robin, Devil's Advocate, Donnie Brasco, Event Horizon, The Pest. Oh, wow. The Pest, Fifth Element, Jackie Brown, Goodwill Hunting. Jeez. Steel, Contact, uh, Life is Beautiful, which won like Academy Award that year. Uh, G.I. Jane, Liar Liar, Face Off. Oh, nice. Seven Years in Tibet and Alien Resurrection. So that paints a picture of the scene as to what was, what was going on at the time. Right. Even right. if you just focus on the superhero movies. You got Steel. Right. You got Batman and Robin. Right. And what right. was the other one? Uh, Men in Black was actually. Men in Black, yeah. Directed yep. by the great... Barry Sonnenfield. Um, but yeah, two of those movies are absolute dog shit. <laughs> well, a lot of them are absolute dog shit, but they're lovable dog shit. Yeah, so. I meant on the uh, the superhero tip. Yeah, that's true. That is true. So at the time, it came out in Batman and Robin, it came out and then just killed the Batman franchise. Mm-hmm. Absolutely killed it. Like, George Clooney still jokingly to this day is like, I don't know how I'm still successful. I'm the actor that killed Batman. Um because he's handsome as fuck. Yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> Steel came out and was an absolute flop. Didn't even make That's like right. a million dollars at the box office. It was that bad. Like it was. But but to be fair, so did Fifth Element. So did Event Horizon. And like these are all movies now that we kind of look at and like they didn't do well in theaters. You know, maybe they broke even or did a, a little little less better than they should have at the time, but. We look at them now, and they're they're absolute classics. You know, the pest is is one of those. You know, well, that movie made what six dollars in theaters. So, from me renting it alone, it made. It <laughs> so, uh, just some facts about the movie. Uh, the budget was eighty. I'm sorry, the budget was forty to forty five million, depending on various reports, uh, and it started out at twenty million. But then halfway through shooting, they added on the rest because the visual effects shots went from 77, so like the total number of CGI, yeah, CGI created effects, went from 77 to over 400. Holy crap. So, I don't know, quintupled, I think, is how that works out, uh... So, and then it, it, in the end, it ended up doing 87.9 million gross domestically, or I'm sorry, worldwide. Uh, so it made not enough to merit a sequel, not enough to merit a sequel, but enough to where they made their, their money back. Um, starring Michael Jai White, starring the incomparable John Leguizamo, uh, Martin Sheen, D.B. Sweeney, 
Nicole Williamson, who played Merlin in uh, John Borman's great Excalibur movie. Uh, it, this is his final movie performance before he died. Uh, Miko Hughes. Yeah, I mean, the, the casting's great. For the most part, yeah. For the most part. <laughs> yeah, for the most part. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so that's just a little pretext just to give you some basis information on the movie just so you know where, where it's coming from. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you something, some things that I liked about it and the part that I like is the opening scene. Well, actually, let me, let me rephrase. There is an information dump that opens this movie a la like Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yes. But it's only 59 seconds and they give you all the information about the war on heaven and hell and it's like boom boom and you're like what the yeah, fuck it's, was it's that? Yeah, uh, it's a uh, Nicole uh, Nicole Williamson's just he's he's uh, narrating over there was a war between heaven and hell and It's Cagliostro is the name of the character. Yeah, so sorry, was, yes. Yeah, yeah. So you hear Cagliostro open up and I know I said I'm not going to do a play-by-play but I'm just going to tell you like we are going to a little bit but we're not going to do it beat by beat. Like, it opens up, and it tries to do, like, this cold open of, like, hey, this is what's going on. But it's, like, not even 60 seconds. Like, I looked at the timer, and it was 59 seconds, and it was already into the next scene. I'm yeah. like, you blink, and you miss that. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're late getting po- getting popcorn coming back into the theater, you have no idea, have what's, no going idea what's going on. Like, boom. Uh, but it does open up gangster as hell. You, you see Michael Jai White, uh, who plays uh, Al Simmons in it. Al, Sun, Al uh, Simmons, a.k.a. Spawn, yeah. All of a sudden, he, he's, I guess it just like has a little text underneath, and it's like somewhere in China, in Hong Kong or whatever, and there's a plane landing, and you see in the control tower, and he just kicks in the door, roundhouses a dude in the face, pulls out a submachine gun, and just sprays like four people. <laughs> and that's how you open a movie. That You get a check mark for that, Spawn. He does a perfect, like... Like front roundhouse, but wow, catches this dude in the chin and flips him over, pulls out the, the silencer machine gun. Everybody gets it the computer equipment, everything. But then afterwards, he pulls off his backpack, which ends up being this like oh, this part was dope. It, it ends up being it ends up being this like construct a rocket launcher, like erector set kind of thing. So, like, he's doing this while there's a rocket strapped to his back the whole time. That's how, that's how gangster it was. Man, and then he says, I guess he's he's assassinating somebody, it doesn't really matter. It's right. it's all all of this is done within the first three minutes of the movie. Right. Including the opening sequence of right. of, of the, the information dump. So he sets up this rocket, and I love this part. I this got me hooked on the movie again, because I forgot all about it. He sets up this little like like Michael said, this constructor, like Lego set rocket, <laughs> and he fires it at the plane that is that his target's coming off of. He could have just blown up the plane and everybody in it with a strong enough rocket. But no, this rocket breaks off into four individual pieces and gets all four of the targets at once. And it was gangster because it was so unnecessary. But somebody just had an idea. They're like, four-piece rocket. (laughs) It makes no sense. I'm sure one rocket, because they blow up the plane anyway. It didn't matter. I kind of feel like you blow up a plane like you're dealing with a lot of collateral damage at that point anyway. So who cares? It's like four-piece rocket though. So what, what that does, though, why I like that scene so much, is it, is it set the tone for exactly what I was about to see in this movie, which is a series of what they thought would be really cool ideas loosely tied together yes. under a spawn veil. Yes. And yes, they're like, yes. yeah. So, and we'll, we'll get into exactly where this movie falls apart, but... Yeah, it was the director was a first-time director. Uh, he was a visual effects supervisor mm-hmm. at Industrial Light and Magic, mm-hmm. which he did really good work. He was like worked on Terminator Two, and, The Abyss. Yeah, he was responsible for creating the look of the T Rex in Jurassic Park. Yeah, which 
Bear in mind, this is in a post-Jurassic Park world, so we've already seen what computer-generated imagery can look like and what visual effects can look like. I just want you to bear this in mind. Just This is the timeline we're working in when we get into a later discussion, because we've seen how good it can be. Continue. <laughs> yeah. No, but I was just saying, ultimately, like, it is just a series of, like, loosely tied together things that are like, oh, we got to get here. Boom. Right. Okay, we got to get here. Boom. And so it opens up with that. And uh, like Michael said, the plot line takes place. He gets double crossed and he goes to hell. In every single one of these scene transitions, between every scene, they do the shittiest CGI yeah. of, of like, the it, it burns like fire. goes And it, it like burns across. It's and the, it goes to the next scene. There's no, like, smooth transition. It is a hard cut every single time. It's the equivalent of the old school, like, star wipe, but with fire. Yeah. And there is zero explanation as to what location they are at now. Yeah. It just is like, oh, we're here now. Uh, this is the first ten minutes of the movie. There's no there's no setup for any of this. The, the best and worst part of this movie is that it's 90 minutes long. So you're in and out, but they dump information on you so quickly and so unexpectedly that if you're not prepared for it, you miss it. I guess I was going to bring it up later, but we can talk about it now. We always, I always give movies shit that have like glaring plot hole problems that are easily fixed with mm -hmm. one line of dialogue. And I gotta give this movie credit. It does do that. Yes. But the problem is, is that it is only one line of dialogue. And, and it is pivotal to the story. <laughs> and usually it's ADR'd over, so it's not even somebody on screen saying it. And oh. so if you're not, again, if, if, if you're just watching the movie or like have the volume down low... You miss that. You you this crucial piece of information that Jason you know, you know of Jason Wynn's plan completely lost on you. Like, wait, why the fuck are they doing this? Yeah, and not only that, but they they drop backstory that you would get from the comic books that is like integral to who the character of Al Simmons and Spawn is. Mm -hmm. Like in the comic books, he has like this magic meter when the magic meter runs out, and then they they solve it all with like one line of dialogue, which I'll I'll get into a little bit later. But it's not only that, but then they do, like, a trick like they do in The Office, but where it's, like, the, a, a cheap workaround for, like, narration or, like, plot devices to try to move things forward. But instead of doing, like, the direct-to-camera like they do it in The Office, they just randomly have Cagliostro narrate over stuff. Yes. It'll yeah. be like, and then this happened, and it was biblical, and then this and that and the third. Next scene. You're like, wait, what? Right. It's <laughs> like... So they give you, they're quick about going back and saying, oh, where are the plot holes? And they'll give you the dialogue for it, but it is so like, here you go. So yeah. like I, for, as somebody that bitches about that a lot, especially when it's easily fixed in a lot of other movies where you're like, you could have literally written two lines of dialogue to solve whatever the setup for this was sure. later. They do it in this movie, but maybe be careful what you wish for kind of thing. Well, in, in most movies, when when they drop a crucial piece of information or or... If there's a plot point, a certain MacGuffin, like, they tend to reiterate it even subtly throughout the entire movie. Like, they never just mention, like, they never mention the Maltese Falcon once. You know, like, it's just, it, they're constantly talking about it. They're constantly bringing up the statue and, and this, that, the other. Or, you know, in in Psycho, they, they don't just mention Marion Crane once after she died. It, it's a constant reminder of, this is the whole point of the movie. Right. Even in, even in the most subtle of ways, it's still there. And in this, they literally give you one line of dialogue, and if you're taking a pee break or 
blank. Blank. Sneeze. You, yeah, yeah, it's gone. Like, yeah. Or fart, which, speaking of which, John Leguizamo plays the clown, and I'm going to talk about one of the other things. I think Michael and I agree on this a little bit. He is the best part of this movie in the 800%. sense of... 100%. Like, I don't have a problem with Michael Jai White as Al Simmons. My, my issue's not with him. The script yeah. was dog shit, but he was fine as Al Simmons. I actually like him. John Leguizamo at least tries to make the movie entertaining. And yes. it's seriously overacted, and a lot of people don't like it. But at least, fuck it, he tried. But it's so bad. Like, there's like a lot of flatulence jokes and stuff like that. Yeah. But every time... It would have been fine just doing a fart joke or a poop joke or whatever... Every time he farts, they CGI like green mist yeah. in it. And you're like, that was like, right. that could have fed people in a different country for a long time. You know, <laughs> that ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 you spent to just animate a green fart. Right. Like, like the, the sound effect in and of itself and his response and his facial features, like the way he plays it, he, it's very... He goes big, like he's yeah. playing for the, for the blind, deaf old lady in the back, you know, back row. So. Yeah. It, it, yeah, I agree. It, it's a lot of unnecessary shit. I see what you did there. Unnecessary <laughs> shit. I see that. But yeah, like, it's it's just so over-CGI'd everything. And not the, like, oh, I'm above fart jokes, but it was just like... No, I love a good fart yeah, joke. Yeah, but it was but... just like, okay. And uh, I was talking earlier about, like, how they just jump from scene to scene. Like, he goes to hell, and then all of a sudden, the Cagliostro does his narration of, like, says a bunch of shit, and he's like, five years later... And you're like, they don't explain that five years... They have one more line of dialogue about it later, and that's it. And all of a sudden, he's on, Spawn is dead and on the rooftop, and the clown is there. And you're like, who the fuck is the clown? Yeah, like, right. it just, it's just, you're in it now. And it's, he's making fart jokes and this and that and the third, and you're like, what the fuck is going on? Like, yeah, and, and that's that's kind of one of the problems with, with this movie is it tries to walk the line of being faithful to the comic book and being faithful to the source material, but it never fully explains the source ma source material to outsiders. So if you're a Spawn fan, like I was going to this, you're following it okay. You you, you know, it, it, it still got problems as far as editing and directing and whatever, but at least you understand the, the implications that they're trying to make or, yeah. or, 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 or the, the subtleties that they're trying to, to, to work in there. If you have no idea who Spawn is or anything about the story, none of this makes any sense. Like, you don't know who Clown is. You don't know what his deal is. Nobody ever makes their motives 100% clear. At like, all. It's, they, they make their motives clear in sense of the plot, but then they, they're constantly acting in contradiction to that it, because it ties more into the comic book, but they never go into it. So it's this weird dichotomy of they they want to be faithful but they're trying to bring in new audience members and they, and they fail at both they yeah they they, they they never really succeed in either one and i really do feel that had they just committed one way or the other like okay we're going to do a spawn origin story and just tell it front to back for somebody who has never ever read a spawn comic book before or we're just going to go hardcore into it, you know, like the Marvel movies do. And if you get the joke, great. And if not, it's not for you, you know. I, I wish that they would have leaned one way or the other because... And again, one of the problems with it is Spawn, the comic book, was very much a hard R comic book. I mean, there was nudity. There was very graphic violence. There was... 
you know, very gothic themes of, yeah. of damnation, redemption. And yet the movie is constantly trying to cater to the 13-year-olds. You know, they're trying to bring in the teenagers. Not necessarily a family film, but, you know, the, the, the teenagers who are who are maybe going to see their first, you know, their first movie by themselves or with right. their group of friends. And, you know, maybe mom and dad aren't at this one, you know. And so they're trying to make it dark and gritty and and fun but they are also trying to honor the original source of of violence and and you know demonic possession and 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 themes of hell and heaven and redemption but they never really accomplish either and it's really problematic yeah it is there's there's a much better version of this movie out there, you know, because like the theme not literally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's there is in this in somebody's mind. It's sure. Maybe we should save it to the end what we where we think if we could sum it up where it actually failed. I think that's what we'll do. We'll okay. just save it for the end. But there's I do agree with what you're saying. They they tried to make it if, for the fans and they also tried to make it for newcomers and they failed at both. Yes. And and it just doesn't work. And it's it's only a few turns away from being a decent movie. But, I agree, and that's yeah. what's so frustrating with the movie yeah. is is the potential is so very much there, and I, I really think that had they pushed it into an R rating, that really would have sold it and made it better because then they're free to just be as graphic as they want, or be as violent or as sexual as they want, it, you know, just like the comic book was. So yeah. You know, maybe they could have lengthened it out a little bit and and given a little bit more backstory and sort of gotten into the rules and and sort of how this world works. Oh, the rules in this movie? Yeah, they they never really explain it. That's a perfect segue, actually, because let's just talk about the powers, the continuity and powers that Spawn does or does not have, or the Violator does and does not have. I don't know what the power set for any of these people are. Like I said, in the comic book, it's vague because it's... However, whatever the task is, he brought Spawn at one point brought somebody back to life, right? Which he can do apparently, but it drained his magic significantly, and he was right. much closer to going right. back to hell. So he's like, I can't do this all the time, right? Compared to compared to if he just like heals, heals himself, yeah. which which is minimal power usage, or he makes a, a blade turns his fist into a, into a sword or something, which is minimal power effort yeah. on him. Which every time he does it. In the comic book, they have that little power meter at the at the bottom, you know, that says nine point one six nine 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 nine, whatever, you know. Yeah, but in this one, the way, by the way, the way Cagliostro explains everything is again just one more line of dialogue, and also what I notice is every time he shows up at the beginning of the movie, which he just shows up randomly, mm-hmm. like everybody does, the the clown just shows up, and then he walks off screen, and then you turn around, yeah, you hear chimes. Every time you hear chimes, Cagliostro was there, which made me crack up because it's like this, like heavenly, like really. Like, yeah, I didn't Cagliostro. notice that. He has like this weird green oh. glow. Everything has a green glow about it, even yeah. when Spawn at one point digs his own grave up. He gets a locket which was not magically imbued, but guess what? It glows green. Right. Like, right. Which, again, in the comic book, they dedicated an entire issue to Al Simmons finding out exactly what his history was and finding out who he was. And the whole issue is dedicated to him sneaking into the grave into the graveyard, digging up his body and having this whole existential crisis when he realizes that his body is buried and, and decayed within its coffin, you know? Like, he, it's this whole, like, if I, if that's Al Simmons, then what the fuck am I, right. you know? 
Right. Yeah, they shotgun blast all of that in your face. All of movie. that. They're all just of like, that. boom. With minimal dialogue. Yeah. yeah. And, and above all this whole heaven and hell thing, you get Martin Sheen in jet black, like grimy, like 80s style in not an 80s movie. It's it's a terrible performance, but... Do you remember what I said to you no, when watching this? I said, he looks younger in this movie than he did in Apocalypse Now. Oh, yeah. And Apocalypse Now was like... 20, 30 years ago? Yeah. So, like, how is that possible? Like, he's got this weird Steven Seagal, like, jet black hair and goatee that is just like, mm, somebody's been using just for men. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny, like, I was saying, like, uh, Spawn's power set continuity makes no sense, where he can just do whatever, yeah. the, the clown can do whatever. The other thing that makes no sense, the motives we were talking about, but, like, uh, Martin Sheen, it's like a bad James Bond villain, but not even like a good bad James Bond villain. Oh, no, just, like, just a bad, like, you're bad at your job. Like, I, I'll without you even knowing this, and you picture him with jet black hair, and he's like running this marine operation, I'm going to ask you a question. Does or does he not light someone on fire by flicking a cigar on them? Uh, that's in the first three minutes of the movie? <laughs> that's what we're dealing with here. If you can picture that, because you've seen it in every corny 80s flick ever oh and if you think that they don't do a slow motion shot of a hand flicking a cigarette overhand and it tumbles back and forth in the air you are wrong they absolutely do that not once but twice once again in a flashback yeah that and which is weird because he does all that grimy shit to kill al simmons and all you hear is adr go wanda And then he's just in hell, and you're like, what the fuck just happened? And then, like, he's on... They show him, like, burning through hell in this quick CGI cut, and then, like, Spawn's just on the roof magically with the clown. And you're like, what the fuck yeah, yeah. just happened? There's no like, there's no good transition in this. It's always... It's, it's very much a... They wrote scenes, and then they tried their best to shoehorn in how do we transition to the next scene. And sometimes it's literally just a flame wipe. Yeah. And, and we're in the next scene. And no Star Wars, uh, like, do 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 when they do the black wipe or whatever, you know? Like, none of that. No score to, to tie it all together. And, like, he, he has... Spawn's biggest thing, like, he has one of the coolest costumes in all the comic books. I in agree. my honest-to-God opinion. I he agree. really does. And we want to see him with the damn mask on. I understand that it's a pain in the ass or whatever, because we also paid Michael Jai White to be there. Right. But, like, every time he puts the mask on... The next scene, they never show it. This is well, they do that a lot, but a lot of the scenes, it'll be on in one shot, and then you cut, and he's rounding the corner, and it's off, and again. it's off, and right. you're like, "What the fuck?" Right? Like, are we doing the mask or not? Although, and and this is one of the things that I really did like. They really do a good job on Michael Jai White's uh, prosthetics and makeup. Oh yeah, like, like in the comic book, uh, Al Simmons, you know, like he's been to hell, and so his face is burnt and there's no nose and it's it's you know crispy and and it it looks like the worst burn victim you've ever seen in your life and to their credit the makeup department did a really really good job of of costuming michael jai white to look like al simmons did in the comic book and and it he looks like that's a dude that's been to hell and back no i i will we actually talked about that a little bit when we both had finally seen it and we Mm -hmm. both did our homework I gotta give him credit. There's a lot of close-up shots because I don't think the director knew how to frame things properly. 
I and so agree. instead of doing just a two shot where you get both people, it'd be one shot, one shot, one shot, one shot. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Jesus, man. Play. And we, we'll talk about that. The editing in this was a real problem yeah. for me. But I don't think that it was the editor's problem. I think that he had to, or he or she had to work with just what they were giving. And I think that the director just was very used to, I mean, came from a, from a, a, a visual effects world. So it's very much single shot of, here's what's happening in the scene and then we move to the next shot and here's what else is happening in the scene. Right. So I just don't think that he understood like, oh no, you can just do a wide shot and include everybody and convey the same emotion. Yeah. Well, to get back to what we were talking about before that, the makeup. Yes, yes. We were saying all that about the framing. They do a lot of, of close-up shots and I was really looking for flaws in it and the makeup department knocked it out of the park. Like Great. I gotta give them credit on that. Whether it be John Leguizamo as the clown and his fat suit, phenomenal. Or yeah. I kept looking for like inconsistencies in the burns and like, is there a loose end somewhere? The suit, for all it is, looks pretty damn good when he's in it. Obviously, the cape is way too CGI. Oh, you're talking about Spawn's cape. Yeah, Spawn's yeah, cape yeah, is yeah, way yeah. Too, like yeah, yeah, yeah. That like, that's one of those. I wish that they had just figured out a way to do a really good practical effect. Like, there's a way to do. Like, in the comic book, Spawn is always drawn with this, like, 20-foot-long cape. But it's a, essentially his cape is a living creature. It, it's kind of like Doctor Strange's, you know, cloak or whatever. And, but it's demonic, so yeah. it's, it's more badass. Yeah. But I, I feel that there was a way to do that and not have it look like the first version of a CGI render. Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. There's not much difference in the fire wipe that they do. In his cape. It just is kind of like, it looks like they just rendered it the same way. And like, oh, but instead of fire, it's just going to be cape. You're right. Yeah. So I don't think, yeah. But yeah, again, shout out to the makeup department, though. Yeah. Um, that was the one consistency that they did have that I really thought that they knocked it out of the park. And I, again, I was looking for it. I was like, where is it? Where's the loose seam? Where's, is, uh, because the, there was a little wrinkle in his forehead and they, they some, somebody did a good yeah. job of keeping up with continuity and, and, shots. And to its, to its credit, I, I'll go ahead and, and say that most of the practical effects in this movie are really good. They they happen for the briefest of instances, but they're really, really good. Yeah. The animatronic violator that they build, you know, for the final battle, uh, clown's makeup, uh, uh, even even the, the 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 sets, you know, the 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 backlot sets that they build, you know, the top of the church where Spawn's hideout is. Um, a lot of the, you know the the Korean, uh, North Korean uh, chemical plant that opens up, you know, where he gets gets sent to hell by Jason Wynn. All really, really good looking. They're a little out of place in comparison to the CGI locations that they use, which look like shit. Yeah. But all of the practical effects in this are really, really good. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. They, they overuse some of the sets a little bit, but... Um, I will say I did like the feel of the alley, not necessarily the the inhabitants, but in the comic book, like the alley, and they they actually do say again one line of dialogue about the alleyway that Spawn resides in, which is what Hell's Alley or some shit like that. It's like really on the nose. Satan's name. Alley. Satan's Alley. Satan's yeah. yeah. So when when Spawn comes back during after the five years, he wakes up in an alley in in some unnamed city. It's supposed to be New York, but they never specify. Uh, and it's just this collection of derelicts and bums and, and ne'er-do-wells all just sort of living in this loose community of, of 
have-nots. Yeah, and in the comic books, they really spend... And I know it's so corny to say this, like, Gotham is is a character in the Batman movies. Sure. In the comics, it really is. And they give it one line of dialogue where Cagliostro says, like, this is a holy place, all are welcome here. But that's all the time they spend on it. Which the set actually looked good. It actually looked like the toy set back in the day. Yeah. So I got to give them credit on that. But again, the one line of dialogue is like, this is a holy place, all are welcome here. And in the comics, Spawn, like, that was a safe place. Anyone that tried to come in there and commit crimes, whether it be like, like sexually assault somebody or something, he was not having that. Like, especially because this is like, dude, this is the place not to do it. Like, not saying do it out there, but he didn't roam the streets looking for trouble. For the most part. He kind of did if he stumbled across it. Like, he might drop in on you. But to him, that alley was a holy place. Sure, but but even within the context of the the comic book, he's such the anti-hero that he's constantly rejecting the inhabitants of the alley and just being like, I'm not part of you. I'm just trying to be by myself, and this is the only place I can do that. Like, I, he's constantly within the comic book saying, I'm not going to get involved in your affairs. You guys do whatever you want. But he does. But then he's constantly, right, yeah, being drawn he, into yeah. the conflict. Sure. Yeah. Which is the whole tale of his morality. It's like, if he finishes out, if he goes and assassinates all these people, which he's put back on Earth to do, and mm-hmm. then it's like, then he loses his soul forever, which they do this in the movie, like, the violators in game of he brings spawn back to earth. Yeah, I guess, I guess we should talk a little bit about yeah. motivation in terms of as best we can because it makes no yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, they never fully explain it, but the reason spawn is brought back by Malbolgia and Violator or uh clown slash violator, we'll get into it, uh is he's supposed to assassinate Wynn, who has who, implanted who, who betrayed Spawn in the first place. Right. Martin Sheen's character, Jason Wynn, who has implanted since then a remote-controlled detonator in his heart. And if it detonates, it's going to unleash a deadly virus around the world. The Heat-16 virus. Yeah. Great name. Fucking Jesus. (laughs) That seems like such a placeholder title. Yeah. That seems like the writers were like, well, we'll just, we'll call it Heat-16, and when we think of something better... We'll finish it in the second draft, and then they never thought of yeah. something better. And the like producers were like, "Great, Heat, heat Sixteen. Yeah. But anyway, so he's got the the chip, the pacemaker in his heart that's connected. Right, to it. right, Go right. Ahead. And so, S- Violator slash Clown is trying to instigate Al Simmons spawn, killing Jason Wynn to unleash Armageddon, which will trigger the biblical war in heaven. Which also makes Al Simmons slash Spawn lose his soul because he's committed murder that wasn't sanctioned by the government or whatever. Yeah, like he loses right. his soul and, and all this because of vengeance. So it's just, which really makes no sense. Like, again, why not just have him lead? Like, all right, I'll give you X amount of time on Earth, go see one, and then you're coming back. Or, like, even, even why is Al Simmons integral to this in the first place? Like, once... Clown convinces Jason Wynn to put the bomb in his heart. Why didn't Clown just be like, ha ha, tricked you, blam, and shoot him in the face? Like, why does Spawn even need to be a part of this? Like, they, they never fully explain, like, what's at stake or or why these pieces are in play as they are. We're just supposed to assume that, like, oh, you know what's going on. Yeah, and it's this weird, like, at one point he's sitting there eating worms, and he's like, oh, I love the, the double cross, 
or whatever. Uh, the clown is sitting there, Sam, to him, say, saying to himself as he's sitting there eating worms, like, "Oh, what a double cross! This and that, and the third. I'm so good at this." And I'll, and it's like this is so overly complicated, but undercomplicated mm-hmm. at the same time. Right. Like you've right. had eons to think of this, and this is what you got going on. Like this is your grand plan. This yeah. right. There seems like a lot of what ifs in this plan. Yeah, and Jason Wynn, Martin Sheen is just like. Yeah, I'll put the pacemaker in my chest. That's a, that's a good Yeah, nobody yeah. will kill me because literally, of this. Literally, Clown shows up and is like, so here's the new plan. We're going to put a bomb in your heart. And Jason Wynn is like, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah totally. We're yeah. going to do that. And at uh, first, it's like, there's a line earlier in the movie. He's like, oh, the Heat 16 virus is this, and we're the only one that have the vaccine now. And it's just like, right. so at, at, essentially, at first it's this weird bid for power, and then it becomes something completely yeah, different. Yeah, essentially, his, his plan is to release a virus and... He's going to create a world consortium to like be in power. Like if you don't, if if world leaders don't join his consortium and they don't get the vaccine, so they're fucked. So yeah. which which just goes it's sort away. of antichristy kind of thing, but they never really get into it. Yeah. Uh, quick point of order: you mentioned that John Leguizamo had a scene where he was uh, eating worms. Yeah, and maggots and stuff. Yeah. So interestingly enough, he actually did eat those worms. For the scene. And oh, yeah. he, he told the director, you get one take at this, get it right, and did it, ate the worms, and then immediately puked his guts out. Yeah, so sounds about right. That was his commitment to this bit. Yeah, no, he, he wasn't the problem. Um, but yeah, we say all this stuff because we were talking about what our issue was with it, and it's and its character motivation is a big one. I don't know what anybody wants. Spawn wants to kill Jason Wynn because he double-crossed him, but he also wants to save Wanda. And then Cagliostro wants to rescue Spawn and his soul. So but also he kill him if he doesn't prove himself worthy. Yeah, and so everyone has this... Clown wants to kill Jason Wynn, but also corrupt Spawn to lead the army, but also show Spawn how to use his powers in order to lead the army. Like, like everybody's motivations in this are just so complex and so layered that it's almost impossible to follow. Yeah. And, and you couple all this with all these motivations going on, they, I will give them this, they do a good job of coverage, mm-hmm. of like showing what each character is doing, well for the most part, a lot of times people just show up. So they, they do the coverage shots that you're looking for, but they're all so rushed. It's a yes. shotgun blast of like, boom, 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 right. and you're like, okay, I, I got it, but damn. like By the time one scene ends, they've already introduced a whole brand new scene and a whole new concept. And you're like, wait, what? That was a weird transition. Yeah. A lot of that has to do with, I mean, the soundtrack is very. So let's move off the motivation. Yeah. We can talk soundtrack now and then we'll get into some of the wonderful dialogue. I mean, the soundtrack in and of itself is great, but within the context of the movie, it's all techno industrial metal. And that doesn't do well for setting up emotional scenes or contemplative scenes or like it's it's very monotone the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. It it's a great soundtrack, but it doesn't service the movie at all. And and a lot of the edits are happen so fast. I mean, literally, I think there was I timed one, there was a transition of scenes that happened, it was less than like eight seconds. Sounds about right. And I, I literally, and it, it dropped a piece of information and you're just like, wait, so if you don't, if you're not paying attention for eight seconds, you're totally lost in the rest of the movie. And the, yeah. And then the, the CGI is again, we're, we're existing in a post Jurassic Park world and 
the CGI is just horrible. It's atrocious and and overbloated. It's so much. It's it, so it, much. It looks like a first draft. Like I literally one of the notes that I wrote down was I've seen better graphics on a PS2 game. Yeah. Yeah, and PS2 wasn't that far away from this movie. So yeah, it's just there there's a lot wrong. There's a lot to love, but there's a lot wrong and I, I don't know. It it's tough, man, because well, we'll we'll save that for the end. We'll talk we'll talk a little bit more about cuz we're going to kind of wrap it up at the end sure. with what our final thoughts on everything were, but well, b- before you Yeah, yeah, before, before that, we still got more to talk about though. Um you're talking about the music. I agree with you. It's a it's a scene where Spawn is going back to see Wanda and in the background it's Marilyn Manson. Yeah. And it's like, what the fuck? Like that's right. your that's your choice? Okay. Like I'm not, it doesn't have to be the Carpenters or what have you, but it just the 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 techno driven you know like thump music is really really misguided in this it's when every song sounds the same in a movie it's very hard to like tell what i'm supposed to be feeling emotionally you know all right well uh let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor godfather industries let's do it and thank you from our sponsors godfather industries Do you have to plan a funeral and bail someone out of jail on the same phone call? Call Caleb at Godfather Industries. Godfather Industries. (laughs) Difficult takes a day, impossible takes a week. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Shout out to the Godfather himself. Um, Yeah, the other thing I definitely wanted to talk about uh, is the dialogue in this movie, which I made some very special notes uh, about the dialogue. Okay. Um, At one point, Spawn crashes this big party with Jason Wynn and his, his... second-in-command Jessica or whatever. Right. A la Batman, he crashes in through the skylight, which would have been a cool scene, but it's just shitty CGI cape work, and he yeah. floats down, which, oh, I guess he can fly now, which we just found out. But um, Which, by the way, that scene took them over three months to develop. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, jeez. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. It, and that was the best we got. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Either way, he crashes this party or whatever, and um, at one point he shoots... Jessica dead and like kicks her off this balcony or whatever. She crashes through a table, which some of the dialogue is so hilarious and it's bad ADR, which I've, I've mentioned on the podcast before how much I love bad ADR, <laughs> um, which the movie actually opens up with bad ADR. It's, it's Jason Wynn talking to the viol- or to us, the clown slash violator and John Leguizamo in his performance shows his fake teeth a lot. And so you can see it in the dark, um, his fake teeth staying still. And there's just a bunch of ADR over it, which is just terrible. But that's here nor there. But um, some of the dialogue, though, um, after Spawn kills Jessica, wins right hand person or whatever. The the person, it's the the assassin that was there when Jason Wynn killed Kill, yeah. Al Simmons in, in the beginning. Yeah, but either way, he, he kills her or whatever. And they do a coverage shot of her being wheeled to the ambulance. Like, the <laughs> EMT is there. And let me see if I can find the exact... As they're they're going out, you hear somebody go... Hey, Doc, check this out. Shot in the head. The doctor takes one one quick look and goes, Oh, she's dead. Like, that's an actual line from the movie. <laughs> so he goes, Hey, check this out, Doc. She's been shot in the head. Oh, uh, yep. She's dead. Yep. Like, what the fuck? And then we never see her again. Yeah. Her, her, her part in this movie is done. Yeah, they show a, a quick scene of Jason Wynn looking over her body and for some reason they use the fog machine like right on top of her so it's like this cold mist coming <laughs> off of her it's like what like what is this um 
But yeah, there's a lot of them. There's a, a scene that is in between Spawn once again being on top of a church, um, and there's a, there's this the shitty Kate Byrne does the scene transition, and then it's an upshot, which is the camera on the ground looking up at Cagliostro, and he goes lightning crashes, and he says, "An old mother dies." No, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> now uh, the lightning crashes, and he goes, "It's time." End of scene. Another shitty... Yep. Like, that was yep. the scene. It was, like, so unnecessary. That was the one I was talking about that lasted literally less than eight seconds yeah. where you're like, wait, why did we need that? What was the... How did we... What? How? Why? Yeah. At one, what are the rules here? Yeah. It's the most <laughs> unnecessary. And, like, the dialogue, it's time. Like, you're not building drama here. <laughs> right. Which, it's not even going into the third act, which going into the third act is the most special dialogue. I'll get back to that in a minute. But at one point... Spawn figures out that the clown set up Jason Wynn to kill him when he was still alive or whatever. Sure. No prior to this point has he figured it out or whatever. There's no like detective clues where he got there. He just pulls a gun on him and says, so it was you who told Wynn to kill me. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. the line. Like, yeah. Again, yeah. all the information you need is there. It's just... It's not earned. Like no, they, they, at all. They, there's no there, there's no Chekhov's gun to it at all. It, it, they never introduce the element and then pay it off later. It's just information dump, and you're just supposed to be like, oh, here's where we are. Here's where we are now. Okay, this this, this is this is the next plot point. Okay, cool. Moving on. Oh wait, now there's a new plot point. Oh shit. Okay, wait, I missed that. I wasn't paying attention. Hold on. Yeah, it's it's absurd. And just some of the and like I said, it's all there. But oh my god, it's just so lightning yeah. fast and bad. He, there's a not even a montage scene. It's it's Cagliostro, Cagliostro teaching Spawn how to use the suit. And like we said earlier, in the comic books, it's a magic meter. And when the magic meter runs out, Spawn has... And it, the devil throws a bun, bunch of enemies in his way. So he not only learns how to command the armies of hell better when he does die, but to use up the magic and stuff like this. Right. He, and he's, this, trying, he's trying to expedite Al Simmons' return to hell in order to kickstart his Armageddon war, basically. Yeah, so there's there's this training montage or whatever, or not even like I said, it's not even a montage. It's like this scene of him training how to do it, where he, his chains are or sentient or whatever, and it's like the the bad like he throws a bottle in the air and he jets his chains out to crush the bottle, <laughs> and the stains like chip like snip snip like crab claws or whatever. Like it was just unnecessary. Well, what 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 struck me as funny was that would be where you would introduce the montage, and literally it goes from the scene of Cagliostro saying. I'm going to train you. Al Simmons says, yeah, you should train me. He and he one literally bottle. throws one bottle up and spawns like, I'm ready to face win now. It's like, wait, that's not how that works at all. Like, you did one thing, bro. Which is funny you say that's not how it works at all. After he does that, he breaks the bottle. That, and there's a quick explanation from Cagliostro before he throws the bottle. And again, it's like two lines of dialogue of like, oh, you, you've only been controlling your suit by reaction. You have to feel what you want. And he just... He looks down at his arms and he like makes spikes jut out from him. And he Cagliostro says something along, and that's how you can get the suit to work. The next line of dialogue is Al Simmons, Michael Jai White going, So, that's how it works. Like, I just <laughs> right. told you. Right. Yes, that's how it works. Right. Right. I just told you. That's how it works. Now you're paying attention, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, yeah, that's how your suit works. Huh. So that's how it works. Like, yeah, dude, that's that's right, the whole thing. Right, the right. whole two minutes we just spent training you to break a bottle. Now you're ready to go wage war on the devil himself. Right. Cool. Right, right. Cool. But and it, uh, again, there's there's a 
during that scene, they have a a single line of dialogue where Alciman says something to the effect of like, so I can heal or like, I can't die. And Kyle Glostro says, unless I cut off your head. And then they just totally move on to the other thing. Yep. And it plays back in later. But if you don't recognize that line of dialogue, you're like, well, wait a minute. So why the fuck did, why, who? Yeah. That's, it's Highlander rules, apparently. Like, again, <laughs> one line of dialogue for what is the MacGuffin at the but end. But again, in Highlander, they reiterate time and time again oh, that these are the rules. Like, we can't fight on holy ground. If I take your head, I steal your power. The only way I can kill you is by taking your head. Oh, by the way, let's repeat that line of dialogue 20 minutes later. Yes. Yeah, with Christopher Lambert whispering it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and... So, I got, like I mentioned before, in the comics, he has a magic meter. The way, the roundabout way of explaining that when he, when he uh, uses his magic meter, he dies. Mm-hmm. Again, one line of dialogue. He goes, at the very end, after he breaks the bottle and everything, he goes, take care of your powers. When you drain them, you die. That's it. That's it. That's it. To which Al Simmons responds, no guts, no glory. <laughs> what? Which is which is not how you want to respond. Yeah. Like, hey, by the way, when you run out of fuel, you're gonna crash this plane. Well, no guts, no glory. <laughs> right. That's it's, not how that works, bro. That's not how that works. It's it's terrible. Yeah. And my favorite, my favorite, at exactly it's a ninety five minute movie. So at exactly so the first act, thirty minutes. Second mm-hmm. act, right, another thirty minutes. So that'd be an hour. Painfully structured. Painfully. Yeah. yeah. So at the end of, right at the hour mark, there's another shot of Cagliostro and the music cues and it's, they cue the third act and he literally says, now, the final test. End of scene. (laughs) Yeah, that's like, they spoon feed, hey, we're going into the third act. And it's like, that was so, like, like what? <laughs> that's an actual. I wrote this down verbatim. I stopped and put the subtitles on. Like that's that's it. Yeah. Now the final test. Third act begins. Again, steal show spawn steal a motorcycle in which he can turn it into a spiked armored motorcycle somehow by his cape because now he has complete mastery of his suit, which just makes no sense. Because we have to get the highway chase scene because that was big in the eighties. So there's this whole scene of. Spawn riding a motorcycle and John Leguizamo's clown firing grenades from this like dump truck. Yeah, from a, a like a, a milk truck or like an oil truck. Or oh, whatever. it was a, a garbage truck. A garbage no, truck. No, no, no. At one point, yeah. Which, by the way, he's. This is how like how odd the power setting is. At some point, John Leguizamo they show him as the only person in the truck right. driving, and then at some point he's sitting on the back while the truck maintains speed and turns. While oh, he's firing is, is grenades. not just not just maintaining turns, but like zigzagging through traffic and like intentionally hitting cars and shit like that. Yeah, and he's on the back of the the truck, which apparently, as as we mentioned earlier, Spawn is filled with like this green necroplasm magic stuff. Apparently, this is some source that you can just find here on the planet, because John Leguizamo is like. How about some necro goo for you? And he opens up the back of the truck and this whole thing just dumps out full with green necro, quote unquote, necro goo. And it's like, you couldn't find anything better than necro (laughs) goo? Right, right. I'm not mad at it. I mean, but it was like, how is this a, like, where do you find this at? Like, but it literally, what refinery possibly in the middle of whatever city this is, did you get a fucking necro goo 
refinery put into a truck. Like, it makes no oh, sense. do you not know about the hell plant? Yeah, right. They manufacture that shit, bro. Exactly, exactly. Necro plant for all your necro goo needs. Seriously. So that's just the now, now available in the Beyond section of Bed Bath yeah, and Beyond. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Stay away from that Beyond section out there, dog. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a hodgepodge of of just dialogue that makes no sense and is like my again my favorite is the third act. Like now for the final test, it's like oh man, that is just classic. That Once they kick ass. into the third act, like all logic, reason, and plot devices are thrown out the window, and it's just. They're trying to just barrel to the final like showdown between yeah. we have to get to Spawn versus Violator and then Spawn versus Malbolgia, which by the way happens in the span of about mm, three and a half minutes. Yeah, the only actual action scenes aren't that long. The final act is pretty much Spawn going to Wanda's house where she's tied up and whatever, and they have a conversation about stuff, and like very little action happens. And then, again, the power set makes no sense. Yeah. He blows up the truck that Clown is on, and then the next scene, boom. Uh, Spawn is at the house. No, not, just, then, not just blows it up, but Clown is riding the plume of smoke and fire vertically, going, I'll see you at Wanda's! And then cut to, they're at Wanda's. Like, yeah. people just show up in this movie, wherever they happen to need to be, that's where they are. Yeah. No, no spatial recognition. No like sense of like, oh no, I have, I'm I'm on this side of town, and it's going to take me however long to get to this side of town. And in that time, a lot of shit could happen. None of that. They're just like, I need to go to Wanda's house. Ding ding. I'm at Wanda's. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> that is the crux of the movie. Like, you turn to the left, the camera pans left. And guess what? It's a clown slash violator. They just fix it with he, a fire wipe. A fire wipe takes care of all time, space, relativity. Apparently. <laughs> or even without that, they, they look that and then he's like, Spawn's defeated by him or whatever. And he turns, the camera pans right and then the Cagliostro's there. Like he watched the whole thing and didn't help out for a single second. It's like, what do you, what is this? So that's another thing. But couple that with the awesome dialogue. It's, <laughs> it's very special. It's very special. So we've ranted enough. We've tried our best not to just shit all over. We've tried to point out some things. On the whole, Michael, I'm going to ask you, where do you think the movie went wrong? Because this was a really, really, really cherished intellectual property back in the day. Sure, 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 sure. And I think we mentioned earlier, we both, as children, you call us children, you were a teenager, I was like 10, I think. We wanted to like this movie a lot, and I didn't hate this, it. This but... was right in our demographic, because we were comic book fans, and more specifically, we were Spawn fans. Plus, we love a good action movie, plus we love a good horror movie, plus we love John Leguizamo. This was tailor-made, yeah. specifically for you and me. Yeah. And it fell grossly short. Yeah. But before I get into where it went wrong, I let me just... Just so we're not shitting on the movie the entire time, which is... By the way, this was not our intention. When we when we sat down to do this, we didn't intend to just make this a a hate fest on the movie. We could find many other movies just to shit all over. Yeah, we we would we would have done Twilight or some you yeah, know whatever god awful piece of garbage or or some Hallmark movie and just shat all over it. We legitimately kind of liked this movie, like In for, a weird for, way, for, yeah. for for unknown reasons, and and I think we've. <laughs> sort of figured out the whens and whys and wherefores of, of where it went wrong. But there was a, a big part of us that, like, again, we were tailor-made for this movie, or this movie was tailor-made for us. 
it just never really quite sat right. So before we shit on it and, and say where it went wrong, I want to highlight some things that I think it got right. Let's, so, sounds good. Sounds good. I like that idea. Um, so where it went right, the soundtrack. I think we kind of touched on it a little bit, but the soundtrack in and of itself, if you listen to it as an album, is a really great slice of like 90s techno and and, and metal. Industrial. And this, and... this weird infusion of... I mean, they've got everybody from Moby to the Butthole Surfers to Metallica to the Sneaker Pimps to... Silverchair, shout out. Silverchair, Crystal Method, just this weird amalgamation, this mashup of, of, of alternative and, and metal songs mixed with techno and, and industrial. That's really cool and, yeah. and, and a great listen. So... In that sense, the soundtrack is awesome. Like, if you just play the, the CD, which I owned and, and played ad nauseum, yep. like, literally to the point where it wore out and we just couldn't play it anymore, it's a great soundtrack. Um, also, I would have to say the practical effects are amazing. Like, the prosthetics on Michael Jai White when, you know, his his, his spawn skin... Uh, the way he, he the way he looks and it, it looks very much in the same vein as the comic book with the, with the burn victim skin super leathery his lips you really don't see move that much obviously he has to some but they minimize whatever they did they must have glued him down or something because it's pretty minimal it, it's phenomenal it looks it looks really great and in the same vein John Leguizamo as clown you know John Leguizamo is is average height maybe a, he I think he's like five six five five four he's something on the like shorter that. end but yeah but to go from five four five 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 whatever it is to a three foot tall I mean stocky like as wide as a door yeah clown in makeup and just with the horrible teeth he looks amazing yeah he does he knocked that out of the park which is Unfortunately, like he, he's always sort of not naysayed the movie, but just he, he's he's been very blunt about having a negative experience on the movie. He's always compared compared the the clown suit to being in a full body condom, and there was there there's a lot of reports of during production he would like flip out on the director, like the director would just be pushing for all these takes and and we need one more. Can you give me more? Can you give me less? And he's like, listen, man. I'm squatted down, I'm covered up, I'm sweating, I haven't eaten all day, I'm sick. You get one more, and then I'm fucking done. Yeah. And if, if you're not going to do that, I'm walking out and you can hire someone else. That being said, the, the, the makeup itself looks amazing. I think he's kind of cooled on that, because I read an interview with him about two, three years ago, and kind of doing some research for this, where he was at Comic-Con promoting a comic book he wrote. And he was saying that, like, ultimately, like, yeah, he was a little harsh on it initially, but he, he still somewhat appreciates it. And they kind of asked him where it went wrong as well. And he said that they didn't lean into the violence enough. They really yes. didn't lean into the dark aspect of it and stuff like that. So Agreed. I think he's cooled a little bit on that. Which is all stuff we're going to touch yeah, on. Yeah, so. we're going to get that. But yeah. uh, let's see. What else did I think was awesome? The animatronics were great. The Again, ta tapping into the, <laughs> the, to the practical effects of it all, the animatronic violator looks amazing. I mean, it, you see it for all the briefest of glimpses, you know, very much in the same vein as, like, uh, American Werewolf in London, where you you just see the, the animatronics in, in brief flashes, but it looks amazing. You see CGI Violator a lot, though. And that's sort of where it falls apart yeah. for me. Um, 
Well, you can keep talking on the good things. But I was, yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. You said that you don't see the violator. I wanted to be very clear. No, no, no. Just, but, the but, animatronic violator. Yes, yes. yes. The, and, and it's very, very apparent which version they're using because in the long extended scenes, it, it tends to be the CGI, really shitty looking violator. But if there's a, you know, like there's a scene where Spawn and Violator are fighting on the rooftop of the church for the first time. And that's pretty much all the animatronic Violator. Uh, but they, they do it in such brief glimpses of, you know, Violator snarls and then they cut to Spawn's reaction. And then Violator swipes at him and knocks off this stone column. And then they cut to Spawn dodging and rolling out of the way. And then they cut to Violator roaring in the in the lightning as as you know in this great dramatic fashion but it's all very snappy at you know snappy edits and cuts those that being said that animatronic looks great agreed agreed with that um and again uh let's see i really liked how they for they 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 forewent the spandex suit of the spawn outfit it would have been very, very easy to fall into the trap of like, oh, let's just cover him in spandex. But in yeah, this it movie, like armor. it looked like armor. Or, or to me, it looked like skin stretched over itself in in this weird, grotesque sort of like Cronenberg sort of way. Like, like the Spawn suit looked like somebody wearing a brand new suit of skin that was maybe a half a size too small, and they're just uncomfortable in it, and and. It looks like it itches, you know. Yeah, it, it looks yeah. like it looks like he's constantly trying to find out the range of movement and and find out like what I can do in this. Yeah, um, I did actually have that in my notes. I said costume actually looks pretty good for its time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's very rubber suit, especially like we watch it in the high definition version. So it's very obvious that it's rubber suit, but it, it still looks great. Um, the casting is for the most part, really, really good. I think Michael Jai White is perfectly cast in this. There's nobody else that I could picture doing Spawn, especially in this time frame. John Leguizamo knocks it out of the park. I, I mean, we kind of touched on a little bit before, but this is a guy who took chicken shit and turned it into chicken salad yeah. as far as a role is concerned. Again, the script's not good, but at least he tried to make it entertaining. Yes. Like, yes. damn. He's very cartoonish and very over the top, but then again, John Leguizamo was that at the time. So right. that's what you wanted, was you wanted somebody that was going to bring... And, and again, they're trying to, to, to wade the line between grotesque and teenager-friendly. Yeah. And so... I think John Leguizamo fits that in terms of he, he's able to make these really grotesque, grandiose gestures, but yet still walk the line of he, he's doing like old vaudeville shit and, yeah. and, and playing to the lowest common denominator sort of humor. Yeah, which is up my alley. 100%. No, I, I agree that Michael Jai White and, and John Leguizamo are absolutely... Well, John Leguizamo is the best part of the movie. And Michael Far Jai White... Away. Michael Jai White is more than serviceable. He, right. You know, Especially with the the with look, the, the tone that he's conveying. The action also, sequences. Yeah. Like, I buy him as a badass. I buy him as a tortured soul. I buy him as somebody who is very capable of handling himself in a fight. You Again, know? let me reiterate that the movie opens with him kicking a door in, doing a, round, <laughs> a front roundhouse to somebody's kick, uh, to somebody's face with a kick, bow, and then pulling out a machine gun and spraying everybody. With a rocket strapped to his yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No problem with Michael Jai White. Um, I think Martin Sheen, as far as casting... Has his moments to shine. I think that. 
I don't it's so one note though, and it's not even yeah. his fault. It's like there's nothing for him Again, to bite his I, teeth into. I, I think I think he's doing the best with what he can, and he has a lot of really cheesy lines. But that being said, he kind of goes the Nick Cage route with it, to where he's just like, "Well, fuck it, I'm just gonna swing for the fences." And it, I don't even think that. I think he was more subdued. I think it was he was like trying to play it a little too close to the vest. But oh no, he's. He's definitely trying to play the the James Bond villain of like, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. The, let me tell you my elaborate plan while I smoke this cigar. I would say he doesn't. Tones. I wouldn't say he goes over. The, sorry, I just stepped on your joke. No, you're good. No, you, let's do take two. Try that <laughs> do, do, my bad, I stepped on his joke. So I think he's he, he's definitely playing the James Bond villain and. But it's very monotone in terms of like, yes, I'm going to tell you my elaborate plan while I smoke my cigar. Seductively. Seductively, yes, sorry. Yeah, let's do with that one. But no, I, <laughs> I do agree. I don't think it's over the top, though. I think it just leans into the camp of it more than anything. Sure, yeah. You know what I mean? But, 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 but again, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a man who knows what this script is and was like, oh, I don't have to play this subtle. This, this is not, you know, this is not Kubrick. This is Michael yeah. Bay, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, he has a, yeah. He's definitely is is a shitty James Bond villain, and he knows it, and he leans into that. So I, I would agree with that actually, but he doesn't have much to work with. It's so one note. But again, it, it's I it's not his fault. I I think he is doing the best he can. He has some really bad, campy, horrible lines, and a lot of it is very like it's very Hemingway punchy. Like we're gonna get to the point. Like we're not wasting any dialogue. No flowery lang- flowery language. We're getting right to like the crux of what's at the issue here. Right. But in one line. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I, I would agree with all of those points. Uh, anything else on the on the good side of things? or? Uh, I think that kind of covers it. Yeah. Oh, other than, like I said, I think the pack, the, the practical sets, they look dis- decent. They're, they're, they're sort of misplaced and very, very... Overused? Not even. I... I, I, I t- Quite frankly, I think a lot of the CGI locations are really overused. I, I really do like the look of the practical sets. They they definitely have a Hallmark movie of the week quality to them. But that being said, the detail in them is great. And, and you can very much tell that this was shot on a, on, on a soundstage or a Hollywood backlot. But they look good. You know, not spectacular, not awesome, but... Passable. They're great, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the things... I, I agree with everything that is good about the movie with you. Um, and we kind of mentioned it earlier, and this kind of goes into the other side of the coin we're about to flip over. Um, they do have... It is very much so a movie that just has a an idea. I, I think Todd McFarlane, as a comic book writer, is a very visual storyteller. Agreed. And I don't think he had the, the skill set yet to translate his ability to tell images as a story onto uh, a movie screen yet. Um, so there's a couple scenes in the movie that actually do look pretty cool. There's one really misplaced shot in between like action and drama mm-hmm. that is just a spawn sitting on top of a church cathedral with his, which is, you see this in the comic book all the time where he's standing up and it's this gothic background and the cape is flowing in the wind forward in front of him. Right. Which they do that in the comic book at least, at least once a A dozen times. Yeah. 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 Which it's like, Oh, that's cool. Like we got that shot, but like it, it has nothing to do with anything. Mm-hmm. So there are things that look cool. Um, I guess again, don't you have to look at it with the lens of when it came out. If you look at it like compared to CGI now, you'd be like, "Oh my god, this is all trash." But again, 
this is a post Jurassic Park world, so we have seen what the scope and limitations of of CGR are, and and this movie tries to drive itself as a visually effects driven movie, but I kind of feel like they didn't want to invest in the CGI. Yeah, all right. So and look, maybe we can get into that later. No, I mean but. that was pretty much all I wanted to say is that there are some there are some cool looking scenes. Um and I do agree with the performances aspect of that. I agree with the practical effects. The only other thing I did notice is in the comic book they have um one of the things that Todd McFarlane is really known for, especially in Spawn, is that he draws super oversized guns yes. for everything. Like Spawn will have it looks like a freaking tank cannon like attached <laughs> yeah. to him and he just has access to this as a necromantic hobo and so he has like these super oversized guns all the time with straps of ammunition falling off of them bandoliers yeah everywhere and they they kind of touched on it a little bit but in particular there was a gun at the very end in the final act that jason wynn had and he pulled and it was a super oversized pistol and i was like that is directly from the comic books yeah yeah and i can tell todd mcfarlane had his hand going like nah you got to make this thing a literal hand cannon Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i appreciated that some of like the spawn always had an arsenal they did knock that out of the park they don't touch into why he has why he uses guns, but we'll get into sure. that. But I think those are about all the things they did right. Um, we kind of get into where, do, like, because again, I, I'm gonna reiterate, we wanted to like this movie, just like the Matrix, the new one, Matrix Revolutions, which, by the way, in retrospect, we gave a glowing review <laughs> review of that movie, way more deserved yeah. than it. Yeah. Uh, again, but I watched that movie like, oh my god, I want to like this so bad. Yeah. So I was looking for anything and everything to hold on to. When I was a child, this was very much so the same thing. It was like, I want to like the Spawn movie. And so, I want to get into where it went wrong as to being a big fan of the comic books. What I guess your expectations or even just hopes for it were. Sure. You know? Because this is not like, Marvel had not come out with X-Men yet. Adapting video games and comic books was a big gamble. And sure. at this point, almost all of them had been shit. Yeah. All yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. Like... Before that, you had Punisher with Dolph Lundgren. You had the Captain America movie, which was bad. You had the Fantastic Four, which was bad. Right. Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah it was none of this stuff was was good adaptation. So, even like tempering my expectations back in the day of knowing that like, oh, they always seem to screw these things mm-hmm. up. I was like, kind of like, can we just get it decent, you know? And so, and so it, where do you think it went wrong in that? Okay. Um, oh, man realistically the main problem and and this is in no particular order but for me the main problem was they were trying to be too faithful to the comic book but they were also trying so hard to bring in the teenage market that and and again they they just they never really got either side right and had they decided one way or the other I could sort of make a case for it and sort of be like well this is what they were going for but the fact that they're walking the high wire and falling flat on their face, I can't justify either way. To me, one of the main draws of the comic book was that it was so hyper-violent and so innuendo, sexual, you know, sexualized. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't a comic book you could show your parents. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't one of those that you could be like, oh, look, Superman saved the day. You know, right, or right. or Batman defeated the bad guy by by his own you know invention and ingen, you know ingenuity, or Spider Man had this really great you know really great retort and and isn't he so clever and whatever like it was none of that you right. know Spawn was very much the anti hero 
He was very much the 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 darkened champion of of. He wanted no part in 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 this really weird way. Like the whole crux of the comic is a man trying to understand who he is and am I really the killer that I've set myself out to be or am I something more? And and still you you juxtapose that with recognition of the passage of time and lost opportunities and damnation and and can I really ever really truly be redeemed? But yet every panel is filled with this graphic violence and and cursing and and like they they completely eschew the the comics code authority and all that stuff to make a comic book that was like no we're making a comic book that is for the more sophisticated reader yeah and yet in the movie they do none of that it's not yeah. sophisticated it's not highbrow or or really existential in any really in, in any real sense, it, they sort of touch on it, but never really plumb those depths, you know? No, I, I fully agree with that. Um, I, to just to go to your last point in the fact that it's, they do gloss over all that stuff and they try to do like a style over substance thing. Yes. Which I have no problem with the style over substance. Sure, movie, sure. But they don't even do that well. R- yes. It's like yes. the style's like okay, but it's not, eh, it misses the mark there. And I definitely want to agree with you on that. There's so much about the tone and the overall themes of the comic book of Spawn. Like you were talking about like the redemption, the salvation. Mm-hmm. And it's Spawn, like like you said earlier, he's not he is a true anti-hero. He's not Batman standing over Gotham going, the city stinks with filth right. and I'm here I to mean, clean it. Right. And da, da, da. It's none of that. It's like, I don't know even who I am, what my place in the world is. And God forbid, like I know that there's an afterlife and damn, I choose wrong. Like right. I'm going to hell after all right, this, and right, so right. what? Can I know I, what my fate is, and I, I've been trained my whole life to be a killer. How do I undo the? Can I? Is it even possible for me to undo the wreckage of my past? And everybody right. loves a good redemption tale. Sure. In order to save my mortal soul and and, and fit in like with the woman with I love that I love, and what is my place? Is that in even life? possible, or is it too late? Yeah, or am I too, too far gone to to where like? She could never accept me, you know? Yeah, and it's... And all those themes, I mean, granted, I understand they're trying to do, like, a, a stylized action movie, but, like, they didn't even do the style that great. Right. But so many of those themes are just so lost. It's it's a really... And it's all set in this beautiful, gothic, dark background, and it's yeah. just, like... You very feel, Todd McFarlane style, which is very heavily stylized. Yeah, I mean, stylized. like, he, he very much has, like... Not many comic books look like a Todd McFarlane comic book. Yeah, you know it's him when you see it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's just they, they miss the mark on that, like tonally and, and thematically. I agree. And it's like the other the other issue I had with it, one of the big ones, besides just it didn't translate from besides all the things we already pointed out, besides just the crappy dialogue, mm-hmm. beyond just the, the editing is an absolute like it's a freaking bump of cocaine every three minutes. <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? What? That what? was one of my next points was yeah. the editing and editing in this is so manic and so frantic, it's almost mind-bogglingly hard to follow like again and and we've we've talked about it like they move so fast from scene to scene to scene to scene that you're you're not ever given a a moment of respite to to like process what has happened no no i i agree with that i was writing down over here as you heard me scratch 
there's no time for you to simmer in the actual emotional ramifications mm-hmm. of what the hell just happened. Like, it's just like, boom, 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 boom. Like, no one processes anything. It's like, we're on to the next bit of action. And, right. and not even action of like, oh, there's a gunfight scene of what is the character going to do next? What is It's do, do, do. They're going to go do this, do, do that, do that, do this. And it's like, take a minute. Like, there's take none of right. that. There's right. none of that. Right, 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 right. There's none of that. It's tough. And again, I had talked about it previously, but a lot of that has to do with the fault of the soundtrack. You know, I mentioned how like individually by itself, the, the soundtrack is great. If you just play the album, you know, in your own home doing a a cleaning day or, or trying to work out to the gym or whatever, the soundtrack in the movie is a serious detriment. Yeah. Every single song sounds the same. There's no emotional content to it. There's no, there's no, indication of how I should feel based on the previous scene because all the music is just this industrial techno drive. Yeah. And when everything sounds the same, like there's, there's no, there's no way for me to base myself in the, in, in the song's emotional content. Right. Right. You know, you mentioned he's going to go visit Wanda and all we hear is Marilyn Manson. And like, that's, that's a really bad that's a really bad indicator you know it's 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 it doesn't fit the scene that they're trying no. to set you know? even it's like right bes- like the scene before she goes to see him and it's like we go from that to like a children's party and it's like that was way too quick of a drop off like what the hell was that right like build me like take me there son as dave Chappelle says take mm-hmm, me there mm-hmm. and they don't take you there and it's just like but yeah the editing like i said it's it's pretty bad and, and i mean editing in the sense of the musical soundtrack choice with the but also the edit, also the editing itself. Yeah, I was saying, but both of them combined. It's not yeah. just the actual frame by frame visual. It, yeah, um, I guess I'll tell one of mine. We'll sure, just yeah, go yeah, back yeah, and go ahead, go ahead. One of the big issues I had uh, with the movie is um, I'm going to use the movie kind of as a backdrop, as a juxtaposition, as it were, juxtaposition, as it were. There's another word I, I'm just going to throw out there because I know how to say it in context. No, juxtaposition works. I know. I'm saying I know how to use it in context. <laughs> it's going to be a bit from now on. Um, but uh, Constantine, the one with Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. Very similar only in the sense of it's this giant war between heaven and hell. And they do a good job in that movie, whether you like the movie or not. What they do a good job of is the war between heaven and hell is all around you. All around you. In every facet of our society, you go to a store, if you can see it right, oh, that person's an angel. Oh, that person's a demon. There's sure. there's shit going on all around you. and You see both sides of the conflict. Yeah, everywhere. And it's everywhere, but it's and it's right under our noses, right in front of our faces. We just can't see it because we're not, we're not hip to it or whatever. This movie has no presence of the other side of this war. There is no angelic or holy representation whatsoever. Mm-hmm. To the point that the only people that are fighting for the side of quote-unquote good are all just reformed evil people or reforming evil people. Yeah. It's Cagliostro was going to be a hellspawn, and then he reformed to fight for good. And so he's just a reformed evil guy. And now Al Simmons is yeah. a hellspawn. Right. And he's kind of like, the whole movie is like, is he won't he, is he won't he? As a viewer, you know he's not going to. Sure. But like, well, if, you, if you've read the... Spawn, yeah, which is something we'll get into. But, yeah, yeah, but there's no presence of of the divine, what like whatsoever. Right, right. And it's just like it's so one sided. And I know that that's a big push in the comic books. Push, push. 
And the, like that's a selling point for it is that they don't seem to be concerned, and that's why sure. a lot of people have these crises of faith and this and that and the third because they're like, where are you in all this, dude? But they gloss over it so it's, much. It's non-existent. Yeah. It's not even glossed over. There is no presence of the divine in this movie whatsoever. Yeah. And it's really like, this seems like a really one-sided war. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. Or right. God's just so strapped up like car seats. He's like, come get you some, motherfuckers. <laughs> Roll up to these gates. Make sure your people are there. You might get embarrassed type of shit. <laughs> and it's you're just like left in the dark about it entirely. And it's just like, maybe a mention of that? Like, what's going on on that side of the battlefield? Because... Yeah. You guys are amassing this giant army and about to release, and I guess, oh, free will, guys, is going to let it happen, but it just, it seems really one-sided, and it kind of throws, like, the scale of the movie off, because it takes one Hellspawn to defeat the entire army of right, Satan, right, in right, one right, really right. bad CGI scene where green electricity comes out of him, and he melts an entire <laughs> army, when the devil himself gave him these powers in the first place, right. like, maybe you shouldn't over-equip people for this <laughs> war that you don't even know what side they're on yet, like, right. bad judgment, I'm not that high in demonic management but, <laughs> you know that's basic one-on-one stuff big dog you know what i mean maybe don't i'm get... not giving i'm not giving a new employee <coughs> the keys to the safe day two like right, i'm just not doing right, that right, you know right. what i'm saying you got too much power here's uh here's payroll go ahead and give yourself a raise too while you're right. at it like welcome to boot camp recruit here's the nuclear codes yeah that kind of <laughs> shit you know what i mean and so like it seems really one-sided and the one side will probably fail due to its own incompetence yeah so yeah. it really doesn't make any sense so that's one of my problems i have with it i think that's where they went wrong is maybe again throw me one more of those one lines of dialogue that at least maybe get me some presence of god or whatever so yeah I, I, I can buy that, and that's one of the things that, just to go on a, a brief sidetrack, that's one of the things that they tackled in the Spawn animated series, was they actually introduce Angela, who, by the way, shows up in one scene in this movie, but if you don't know who that is, they like, they never introduce her, they never are like, oh, that's the angelic presence. She literally, it's it's a single shot of a woman who looks like Angela. Which is for the fans, but... But they never explain it, yeah, so it's yeah. it's it's a pointless like. It I I could totally picture just if I knew nothing about Spawn being like, oh, who's that? And then the person next to me being like, oh, that's Angela, and she's really great. And you're gonna be awesome. Da da da. Oh, is she gonna come back? Nope. Yeah. Well, not at all. They still do that. <clears throat> like Easter eggs now has become the term for, sure. for Marvel. So they still do it. So I'm not that mad at that. For giving a wink to the fans that are for only people in the know. Because, again, that's something pretty prevalent. But sure. you're right. It is glossed over. Like, you only can tell who she is because she has really iconic earrings in the comic books. Right. And you happen for one frame see those earrings as she walks in this party. Oh, my God. That's Angela. Yeah. Are you going to bring her back? Nope. Nope. Yeah. nope. So, Not at all. Not at all. But, yeah. Uh, one of my other main problems was, um, again, like, the bad CGI. This is This is... This is really one of the main faults of the movie where I really, really think it fell short and it tried to present itself as this CGI effects driven movie that was going to be, you know, change gory. The and, yeah, game, change yeah. the superhero genre. And it's it doesn't like e- even for 1997. This is bad special effects. It's yeah. it's really, really bad. I mean. I, I kind of mentioned before how the budget doubled specifically because the special effects shots went from like 77 to like 400 plus. And it's really, really apparent that they ran out of money. Really, really, really. I mean, Malbolgia himself just... 
yes, he's very true to the comics. Like, it, he looks like he does in the comics. But his movements are all herky-jerky, and it's just, it, it's bad voiceover. Kate, point in order, done by Frank Welker, who is Megatron in the Transformer series. Oh, dope, I didn't know that. So, but again, like, it's it's just this general, like, if you lead my army, I will give you Wanda. Like it's just it, it's not great, and it's, it's his mouth doesn't even move. It's yeah, open it's open the whole time. It it looks like the worst puppet you've ever seen in your life, where it's just sort of opening and closing randomly as he talks, but it doesn't really it doesn't lip sync at all, and all the flames and all the like. It's very very clearly a CGI background done in the worst way possible. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And if if you're going to do a CGI-driven effects movie like Jurassic Park or like, you know, and any of the other movies, you know, Men in Black or something like that that came out during that time, you have to invest the money to make the CGI look good. You just, you have to because it's so disconnecting. Every time they go to hell or every time... Violate or a uh, clown transforms into Violator. It's this weird, really bad-looking, herky-jerky CGI animation that just doesn't sit right. And it, 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 especially as an audience, you've seen better, so it stands out. Yeah, I will say this a little bit. Not in terms of the quality of the CGI. I can't really defend that because, like you said, there were things that out at the time that were much better. Probably someone had bigger budgets. I do feel a little bit bad for the movie in a, in a weird way, in a very weird way. It was kind of ahead of its time because the biggest critique now about superhero movies is that the third act just boils down to, oh, it's just another CGI fight fest. Well, I mean, look at how Tha- like Thanos in Inth- Infinity War was. Like, he's all CGI. Yeah. You know, motion captured sure, obviously by sure. a brilliant performance by Josh Brolin. But the same critique that it gets now, we were looking for it back then. So, in a weird way, it was kind of ahead of its time in the fact of, like, we wanted a giant C- like CGI effects-driven kind sure. of thing. It didn't live up to it, but, like, I, I just I kind of feel bad for it in the sense of, like, it, it was in a weird place. Like, Blade had not come out yet. X-Men had not come out sure. yet to kind of what ultimately launched those two movies, like, the, the modern superhero movie. I mean, right. you had, like, Batman 89, and then that fell off really quickly right. by the fourth movie, like, Into the Dirt. Um, you had the, obviously the original Superman, which is one of the best comic book movies of all time. Uh, sure, that was. But even that had its problems and its plot holes. Yeah, but the whole point of that was like, oh, you'll you believe will a, believe a, a man, man can, can fly. fly. Yeah, and this movie, like, I I wish that it could have almost had the budget in. Like, I think it, even if the movie were to exist now, even shot for shot, it wouldn't be as bad if they had modern CGI to do it. It would still have problems, but it wouldn't be as bad. You wouldn't be as removed. So it was a little bit ahead of its time in that way, in the sense of it it wasn't quite what we needed at that time, but it swung for it in a weird way. But it, it, it did, but it weakly yeah, swung for yeah, it. You know what I mean? Like it missed it, 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 entirely. entirely. No, no, I, I, I think that I, I don't think they missed. I think that they gave up. I, I and that's really one of my problems with the CGI is again, like if you're going to be avant-garde and push the the forefront of what's cinematically possible, then push it and go for it. Otherwise, don't. Yeah. Because at that point, it's very noticeable 
where you fall short. And, and I, I, I really do think that the producers and the director just sort of were like, well, that's all the money they're, they're going to give us. So but I, I can't blame him as a producer for that because again, superhero movies sucked at that point. Sure. You had Batman, which had a built in audience of, you know, how long had it been out for 50, 60 years at that point, you know, 40, 50 years, whatever it was Batman had. And then you had Superman, who obviously is one of the biggest built-in audiences of all time. And you have an up-and-comer spawn. Like, if I'm a movie producer, it's like, you get, like, 20 million bucks and call me in a little bit? Like, I'm not rolling the dice that big. So. But again, like, the reason why the Tim Burton Batman works so well, because it was all practical effects. And Tim Burton knew how to work within the confines of what he was trying to shoot. And the reason why... Well, Tim Burton's also a much better filmmaker. I, like, they, agreed, they handed it to agreed, a first-time guy that was like... Agreed, agreed. But but you have to work with what you're given. Right and, right. and at some point, it's up to the director to recognize that like we are shooting for way beyond our capabilities. So how do we make this work within what we've been given? Yes, they've given us an extra $20 million to do CGI. It's foolish for me to pin... The, the the success of the movie right. on an extra $20 million that they're gambling on. No, I, I agree with all of that. And actually, in an interview, the director says, you can put all the blame of that movie on me. He can't be mad at somebody sure, for taking right, that right. level of ownership yeah, about something. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, dude, we will. But, <laughs> yeah, deservedly so. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I was just, I just wanted to point out that again, like the CGI is bad, but it, it's weird that like we're we're back now to critiquing things for like, the CGI looks amazing in the vast majority of the movies we see now, but then we get mad because we're so oversaturated with it. Sure. Then we're sure. like, oh, it's just another CGI fest. So in a weird way, this movie was a little bit ahead of its time. Its imagination definitely exceeded its grasp in terms of visual capabilities and money that they had to oh, achieve them. This ambrosia isn't as good as the ambrosia I'm used to yeah. today. And Today's ambrosia is so much better. Yeah, and you also, you've brought up Jurassic Park like three or four times now. That's also Steven Spielberg who can just say, give me a blank check. I like, agree. You know I what agree. I mean? So, I agree. Oh, but it I, better I, be better. But, 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 I understand. I, I use that as the as the like that was where we were at. Like, no, that was I, the standard point. I fully get your point though. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Other things that I had problems with. Again, we mentioned the editing. There's so many scenes that happen way too quickly. Yep. The 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 fire wipes. It's just it's so bad. It's 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 almost editing 101. Like it's the editor had no idea how to transition between scenes. So fuck it, fire wipe. Yep. 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 Anything else, or let me see. I got, uh, I got one more for you if you. Uh, go ahead, you you can do one more, yeah. Um, again, I guess the the biggest thing we we did talk about this a little bit is how much we wanted to like this movie, and I knew that there was a lot of B movies. Like again, we're the target audience. I I'm, I'm looking through the rose colored glasses. Mm-hmm. I'm wanting this movie to knock it. I'm rooting for this movie in every sure. single way, and to still leave being like, eh. And this movie, I this yeah. movie committed the cardinal sin of. It's, it really is, and I do believe this, we said it earlier, it is only a few turns away from being a much more watchable, nigh-enjoyable, decently good movie. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. only a few turns away. Um, if not for if not for this creative decision, or not yeah. for this productive decision, like, 
we would have absolutely had a great screenplay decision, screen, whatever, yeah. writing, editing, whatever. Yeah, yeah. it's it's there's, there's some... so many turns where they could have made it. Yeah, it's it's only a few turns away from being a decent movie. The issue is, it ultimately falls under the scope of forgettable. Yeah, where it's not so yeah. bad that it's good and you can laugh with it or at it even. Like Mystics of Bali or, or what or name or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah. even then, like Starship Troopers is a movie. They're like. That movie rules. Yeah, but it is a B movie. Three, I, arguably, in my opinion, maybe The Evil Dead might take the crown. But it, sure. Starship Troopers is one of the best B movies of all time. Right, like, right. It just, but it just but is it, in in that example. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's so clever and so cheaply done that it can't help but outdo itself. Yeah, like great B movie. Yeah, Mortal Kombat, the first one, another one. Yeah, it's it's like by by structural like by critical standpoint. If I'm looking at it with like a critical eye. Not a great movie, Mortal Kombat. But as a kid, like Mortal Kombat, I was much more of a Street Fighter guy. And that mm-hmm. movie, we went, that's a whole different... That movie went wrong <laughs> from the jump. Uh, that's all I'll say about that. But like Mortal Kombat was a big... like I was the target audience when that came out. Like When one came out, like everyone was like, Yo, you got the blood code? What's the blood code? Right, you know, right. Everyone's trading fatalities and right, oh... Because right. none of that was in the booklets and stuff. Um, but like that movie was a movie that, again, I was rooting for so much. But that movie stands the test of time to me. Like, whenever I go back and watch the original Mortal Kombat, I remember the fact, like, dude, I've seen this shit, like, 15, 20 times. Yeah, like, yeah. And I've seen Spawn a fair amount of times, but it doesn't have the same kick. And ultimately, even in a retrospective thing, Spawn, like I said, it's not so bad that it's good, and it's not good enough to be really enjoyable. And that's the most cardinal sin of movies, to be forgettable. Yeah. So even me watching it again... I still had this weird place of like, I kind of like this movie in a weird way, but the nostalgia I have for it is associated with like a weird level of disappointment. Yes. Mortal Kombat was like, oh my God, you checked the five boxes I was looking for. And, I don't care what else. And you gave me Goro, you gave say. me a ball breaker, you yeah, gave me Sub-Zero, yeah. he froze some shit, yeah. you had Scorpion take it over here, and Liu Kang yeah. hit the fireballs and Shanks. Like, it I hit had, like, all the things I wanted to see. Like, of course you're going to give me Johnny Cage versus Goro. You're going to give me... Sub Zero freezing somebody. You're gonna give me Scorpion with a spear. You're gonna yeah. like it hit all the things I wanted to do. And the rest of it's dog shit, and I don't care. And that's I and that's care. fine. It's a horrible dog shit script, but at least you hit the nostalgia factor of like, but that part was pretty cool, yeah. right? Yeah. And there's none of that in this. Yeah. Like there's there's a few brief moments of like, oh, Spawn was really cool for about eh, eight seconds. Yeah. And then the movie got away with itself, and I was completely lost. And what the fuck are we talking about now? You know. Yeah. So that to me is, is, if I could sum it up in the biggest of, of what I think where it went, went wrong, is that, the nostalgia factor and the, the crime of being forgettable. Yeah. And ultimately I believe that, and we said this to open up the podcast, this is just for me, I'm going to give the floor back to you in just a second, but like, the crime of it being, I don't think Todd McFarlane understood, or or the director, because he is, uh, the director was a, a visual effects guy. Mm-hmm. He didn't know how to translate what he thought were cool images into a cohesive story. Yes. yes. And Todd McFarlane works panel by panel yes. in a comic book. So yes. he has he can draw his ass off for one right. one look of something. Like, oh man, that one image, that one still photo is, amazing. is dope. But it doesn't translate into a not only a cohesive story in storytelling, just take out the script, take out everything, just look at it visually, if you put the movie on mute. It doesn't translate. Right. It just doesn't. Right. And so they had to like we got a cool idea for a scene, which they will screw up later with CGI. <laughs> right. But we have a cool idea for a scene. How do we? Get How do there? we get there? Right. Let's loosely just jump. Right. Shotgun blast. Shotgun blast. Right. Let's right. get you there. 
well, we need Spawn to drop down out of the ceiling with guns strapped to him. How do we get there? Yeah, how do we get well, there? Well, we need a scene where Violator is punishing Spawn and putting him through a stone column. How do we get there? Yeah. Well, we need a scene where Al Simmons is staring down Jason Wynn in the face and he's got a, a gun to his chin. How do we get there? They, you know? And they did do one scene, which I wanted to see more of. As much as they overdo the green mist for dumb shit like a locket and a fart, there's always a scene where he's like sitting That's a on the t-shirt, a locket and a fart, and a locket That's... and a fart green mist. <laughs> yeah, but there's like always a scene where Spawn is in the comic books and he's looming over like a gargoyle or something mm-hmm. like that, and he's got his hand in like this clawed position, and there's like this green energy glowing off of it. And they had one scene in the movie where he had his mask on and he had the cape on, mm-hmm. and he turned to the camera and he hit you with the green glowing eyes with a machine gun, and I was like, "That's fucking Spawn." Right. Like that is ex- like that is what I want right. on the big screen, right. and it's gone as soon as you get it. Yeah. So, and I think those that to me are the cardinal sins of this movie. So, back to you, my friend. Sorry, long tangent, but we got there. Well, no, no, just I to, was knocking it out of the park. no. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> just to sort of piggyback on what you were saying, like I think a, another one of the cardinal sins that they try to that they adhere to is that they they try so much to be faithful to the source material, which is very much an R rating. But again, they're trying so much to vie for the teenage disposable income market and, and not necessarily family friendly, but they don't they don't want to make it so violent and so graphic that you can't bring in the teenage market. But they're not trying to make it so family friendly like like it's this weird juxtaposition, this weird dichotomy, this weird binary of well we want to we appreciate that it's violent and graphic and this that the other but also we need to be able to bring in the under r-rated crowd and and it walks this horrible tightrope of well if they just leaned in the violence a little bit more like almost a la deadpool where where where, you know ryan reynolds and, and crew just didn't give a fuck and we're just you know like Fuck it, we're just gonna do the comic book, and either you're into it or you're not. Or not right. But also that leans into if you're gonna lean into the comic book and make it violent, you can just do all the references to the comic book without having to worry about bringing in the unknown, you know, the 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 yeah. the unaware first viewer, you know. Yeah, and your attempt to please both the new viewer and the the diehard fan who are gonna get this, go see this movie anyways. You disappointed them. Yeah, both. you did neither. Yeah. You did neither. No, I, I fully agree with that one. Yeah. Uh, and again, uh, just from a writer's standpoint, there was no clarity in anybody's motives. I never or, knew what anybody wanted. Even if they mention it, it's it's a brief throwaway line, like one single ADR line of dialogue to where if you miss it, fuck it, the rest of the movie make, makes no sense. It it, And again, it, it kind of, it, it depends so much on bringing in the crowd that are hardcore comic book fans and hardcore Spawn fans to where they never fully explain anything. They never explain his power set, why he's here, what his limitations are, what Cogliostro's role is. They just steamroll through Jason Wynn being this like generic Bond villain who has a world-killing detonation device implanted into his heart because they have to do it. Right. There's no setup. There's no... They never really explore the whys and wherefores. It's just because. It's just like, well, you're a fan, right? You like that. Also, you've never seen Spawn before, so let me explain this to you. And, and 
they really needed to just dive into to the violence and to the gore and the things that made Spawn so special. Yeah. Yeah, they just they 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 never did that. Um Yeah, you're never really clear on anybody's and it's fleeting even when you get it. Like the next scene, you're like, I'm going to kill Wynn. And he's like, maybe I shouldn't kill Wynn. Oh, wait, Cyan, the daughter. It's like, wait, what? Right, right, right. It's right. fleeting at best even when you do they get just, it. it. It's such a shotgun of information that you're never really sure where people are in the movie. It just sort of takes you on this journey. And you're supposed to be like, all right, cool. So here's where you are today. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Other than that, I think that about covers... Yeah, spatial reasoning we talked about. People just sort of show up where they're supposed to be for no reason. Uh, yeah, and I think... That's it. So just tonally, yeah, it just misses yeah, the mark of just, what makes Spawn so special. Yeah, yeah. Again, all the themes we talked about earlier, it just misses that mark entirely. To For an action movie that doesn't have enough style to back it up. So, Well, that was really interesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think we uh, we did a good job of... Uh, so, so overall... Would you give this movie a recommendation to somebody who has never seen it before? Probably. Yeah, I probably would. Really? Mm, depending on the person, but... Eh, See, I, I would not. Like, yeah. To, to the casual moviegoer, I would say this is probably not for you. If you're a hardcore comic book fan, or a completionist, you know, like if you're, if you're a cinephile, yeah, it's worth checking out because the moments that are there really cater to you but if you're not a fan of comic books if you've never understood who spawn is or understand who todd mcfarlane is probably you could take a pass on this one yeah i was i would say maybe if they were my age and they just like the one person that was like oh i always kind of wanted to see that but i never got around to it like maybe but like but anybody it, under like 20 nah probably yeah. not they'd be like the fuck is this dog shit yeah like, yeah. let's put on Stargate instead. That's an easier sell. Unless... Oh, Stargate. There you go. Yeah. Unless you're going to get really, really high and just watch John Leguizamo be marvelous, in which case I say go for yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, again... I cannot stress how much he is the selling point of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it, it, it would be a tough sell, but you know me and my philosophy on things. It's, it's hard for me to just shit on something. And yeah. Like, yeah. Someone, oh, I want to see Spawn. I'm like, okay. Let's do it. So. Listen, I'll probably watch this movie at least one more time in the next yeah. in the near future. It's not going to be something that I turn to habitually or Again, like, oh, let me watch Spawn. That's great. You yeah, know? like I still have an urge every once in a blue moon to turn on Stargate or turn on Starship mm-hmm. Troopers or turn on Mortal Kombat or go back to the, like I hadn't we hadn't really revisited. We were thinking of a movie to do and we were like, oh, what should we deep dive and we don't just want to shit on it and we and we came up with Spawn, which we came up with a brilliant title, and that's when we solidify. We lock this movie in. That's wrong with Spawn, the way we spell it. You'll see it on the on the monitor. That's right. Um, and it was like I probably would not have revisited this movie unless I was with my friend John Chuck, who watches this movie an odd amount of time still. <laughs> um, like every, every yeah, the last few times I've seen it was just at his house. Um, but yeah, I probably, probably wouldn't revisit it otherwise. So it's it's weird, man. It's. A very love-hate thing. I do have a, a nostalgia for this movie, and it does kind of call to me, but not really at the same time. But again, we 
we were the target audience for when this movie came out. Like, yeah. very specific comic book movie fans. That's what hurts very... the most, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, bro, we were rooting for you so bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. I overlooked so much. Like we were talking about with Mortal Kombat, I overlooked so much bullshit with Mortal Kombat. Like, Street Fighter was the first movie I... Like, when you're a kid and you get to go to the movies or even go to Blockbuster and you rent something, like, it doesn't matter how bad it is. It was an event. You were like, oh, I got to go see a movie. Like, it was cool. What'd you see? Street Fighter. Right. And then they did this and it was in color. And you said this and it was funny. And then, like, you go see Street Fighter and you're like... That was dog oh, shit. That movie wasn't as good as I was hoping it was going to be. Yeah. I, uh, and I think Spawn was one of the early movies. Because I remember Street Fighter was the first time I remember mm-hmm. watching a movie being like, wait, movies can be bad? Yeah. yeah like, I yeah, never knew yeah, that. Yeah, and I remember yeah. Spawn was like another one that I was like, man, like, this is a letdown. Like, yeah. ugh. Yep. So. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that's. I think that's it, though, for us, right? Uh, yeah, man. I think that covers just about everything. So, you know, go see it or not. Go see it's it. Up to you. Just, just, see, just see it. You'll know. See it now with what we're talking about. Give it one more chance. It's not going to change your opinion of it. No, no, no. It will not. You might. We might have shed some light on some uh, some areas, but you probably already knew all this if you're a Spawn fan. So, no. Well, that about wraps it up for the old "What You Been Watching" podcast here. Thanks for joining us on this journey of Spawn and uh, where it went wrong. Yeah. Well, uh, go see a movie. Let's uh, talk about it with somebody you love. Oh, and also visit us at what you been watching podcast at gmail.com or search us on Facebook at Dudley Bros Podcast on Facebook. Yeah. 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 You can just search what you've been watching. I'll show up there. So, yeah, one more time. Let's uh, go watch a movie. Talk about it with somebody you love. Deuces. Peace.